0: Hello, and welcome again to another episode of The Loose Gardener. I'm your host, Amanda J. Schulz, and today is March 22nd, 2022. If you recall, I launched this podcast on a 22. That was February 22nd, just exactly one month ago. Now, here we are today, already sharing episode three together. Time is flying. I want to continue to thank all of you who are tuning in and enjoying the show. Your positive feedback has been so great. A.H. from Houston writes, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to this podcast. There's no doubt that I will find many useful tips from the loose gardener. That's right, A.H. The goal here is to provide useful and practical gardening tips for you, as well as some life tips along the way. After episode two, S.E. from our capital city of Austin said, I never considered gardening as a skill I'd be able to even get close to mastering. So I crossed it off my to-do list. And now I want to plant some gara. That's the spirit, S.E. You can do it. We all can. It's literally part of our DNA. It's so fun to see people inspired. Now, if you tuned in to episode two, you know that we learned about the plant called Gara, And we also talked about a fun story surrounding country music legend, Billy Joe Shaver. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and spend a half hour on it. What I'm about to say here will make a lot more sense if you do. After releasing that episode, I had a conversation with my brother, who, if you remember, I mentioned was a former singer-songwriter. He surmised that the person you hear at the beginning of the live album who changes the song that Billy Joe is about to sing is actually a band member. Now, he thinks this just by the clarity of the words that seem to be miked, and I would tend to agree. We further talked about how it's most likely that the identity of the man is actually Billy Joe Shaver's son, Eddie. He was playing lead guitar that night for the recording of the live album and, knowing music much better than I do, my brother said he could tell that Eddie was warming up his guitar in the key for The Hottest Thing in Town before his dad stepped on stage and started talking. Now, coincidentally, my brother's good friend, Kevin Hollingsworth, was managing sound for Eddie that night at the show, so he could absolutely tell us for sure if that's correct. But as life would have it, he unfortunately passed away not long ago. Also deceased now, of course, are Billy Joe and his son, Eddie. So maybe we'll find another link, who knows for sure, someday. But that's the story I think we'll go with a dad bending a bit for his son, a son who wanted to deliver a show stopping song on the electric guitar. So, moving on to today's episode, I'd like to begin with a poem by fiction author and poet Sarah Rossiter. I have a special love for poets, so don't be surprised to hear me throw in a lot of poetry down the road in future episodes. Writing poetry in English class was one of my favorite things to do in school. It was the one opportunity to be completely free with words. So, here goes. The poem is entitled, Zinnias. When I pray, I go in and close the door. But what really do we mean by prayer? Isn't it anything done with full attention? Whether sinking into silent depths, or relishing a sun-ripe peach, or gazing at the zinnias freshly picked this early morning, these multi petaled shouts of joy, lemon yellow, orange, reds, A carnival of flame-filled light, the sweet garden scent, summer flowers. Zinnia. That's the correct pronunciation of the plant we will talk about today. Now, I once had a cute and very southern neighbor who owned a flower shop, and she called them zinnias. So either way will do. Zinnias are a part of the sunflower tribe, and more specifically, the daisy family. They're an annual, meaning that the plant is one and done. The same plant does not come back each year. Now, I want to talk about zinnias because right now is the time to plant them, and the absolute best way to plant is by seed. Now, there are many flower seeds that are best to plant in fall, especially a lot of the wildflowers. This is because those seeds need to go through what is called stratification. Stratification is a natural process of exposing seeds to both cold and moist conditions. There are seeds that have to experience this in order to germinate. Um, Like, for instance, coneflower, black-eyed Susans, yarrow, they all need cold stratification, but not zinnias. Zinnias are the perfect flower seed for those of us who are like bears. You know, the people who start going into their dens in about November and then they wake up right about now and say, oh, crap, it's spring. I need to plant something. So if you identify with the bear, these are the perfect seeds for you. You need to plant zinnias in the spring after the danger of any frost. So how do you know when the danger of frost has really passed? Well, you never totally know, especially in Texas, where it can be flip-flops one day and a ski jacket the next. But I like the ease of using the old Farmer's Almanac website when looking at frost dates. So you go to almanac.com. That's A L M A N. -N 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 com. And then if you scroll down on the main page, you'll see on the left side a link that says spring frost dates. You can click on that and type in your U.S. zip code and it will pull up the first fall frost date and the last spring frost date for your area. Now another good site for those of you listening in other places around the world is plantmaps.com. This site provides hardiness zone, frost, gardening, botany, climate, and horticulture maps for just about any place you can think of. It's a very helpful site. So remember the German guy Lendheimer that the Gara Linda Mary was named after on our last episode? Well, we have a similar situation with the Zinnia. Boy, did the Zinnia have quite the worldly travel before arriving as we know it today. This story starts all the way back in the early 16th century when the Spanish conquered the Aztecs in Mexico. The Aztecs referred to the Zinnia flower with a phrase interpreted as plants that are hard on the eyes. This was due to their vibrant blooms. But of course, as conquerors would do, the Spanish singled out a couple of the common native species that were prevalent in Montezuma that had smaller, pale flowers. And their interpretation went from plants that are hard on the eyes to what they called mal de ojos, or the eyesore, sickly, evil eyes, mere weeds. So no one really paid the poor Zinnia any mind until centuries later. Fast forward to the era of the mid 1700s when our country was really forming and botany was in full swing. In fact, there is a fascinating book that I'm reading by Andrea Wolfe called Founding Gardeners about the American founding fathers and their passion for plants. It's really something The inside cover of this book notes for the founding fathers, gardening, agriculture and botany were elemental passions as deeply ingrained in their characters as their belief in liberty for the nation they were creating. But the thing is, this wasn't just happening here. It was happening everywhere. Important people with means were starting to trade seeds all over the world. Now, I'm sure you've heard the term side hustle. There were educated people all across Europe taking up botany as either an outright profession or a side hustle hobby. Now, here's where we come to the Zinnia and another German guy, Dr. Johann Gottfried Zinn. And he was a German physician at Göttingen University. I practiced that word a couple of times, uh, which incidentally is still an internationally renowned research university with an original founding in 1737. So he specialized in anatomy and specifically provided the first comprehensive detailed anatomy of the human eye, but not wanting to be left out of the trend of the day. And without a permanent position in the anatomy department, he too decided to pursue the side hustle of botany. I guess he must have become pretty good of an expert because he was named the director of the Botanic Garden at the university at the age of 26. Now, it was around the time of 1750 that the German ambassador to Mexico sent Zen an envelope of eyesore seeds. Now, the humor is not lost on me that the guy who detailed the anatomy of the eye would also get the eyesore seeds. So Zinn took the eyesore seeds and introduced them to a few gardens in Europe. But unfortunately, Dr. Zinn died young in his early 30s of tuberculosis in 1759, it was at the time of his passing that his friend and Swedish botanist Carl von Linnae, you might remember him from biology class as Carl Linnaeus, decided to gift his friend with something lasting. Now, Carl Linnaeus is known as the father of taxonomy because he was the guy who came up with the entire naming system for all organisms. So, being the guy in charge of the names at the time, Linnaeus decided to pay homage to his friend who introduced the eyesore to Europe and gave the flower the genus name Zinnia. So, surely now must be the time when the Zinnia really takes off, right? Nope. Poor thing languishes around again for over a hundred more years, until around the 1880s when French horticulturists finally began to develop different species of zinnias from the original strains. This is when the zinnia really becomes the rage in Europe, especially in England, where anyone who was anyone would be growing exotic plants. The problem for the British, though, was really that the climate was too cloudy and too cool. So attempts at growing striking specimens of zinnias were lackluster at best. So where the Brits were failing, it was now time for the Americans to step in and give it the old revolutionary try. So the zinnia makes its way back across the pond to America into the hands of botanists and horticulturists like Luther Burbank and his cousin, William Atlee Burpee, and his son, David Burpee. Now, anyone listening here ever purchase a packet of burpee seeds? It was the burpees that actually led the field in hybridization of plants, and after several decades of breeding, became largely responsible for the numerous varieties of zinnias that we see today. Button zinnias, giant zinnias, cactus zinnias, pom-pom zinnias, and the many standard cut flower zinnias that we know and love. So now we have all these fabulous zinnias and it only took over 400 years to get them to us. So let's talk about planting zinnias. I'm specifically going to talk about my favorite variety, the cut and come again mix. You'll love them. They are so easy to grow, don't require a ton of water aren't susceptible to damaging insects, and they will grow compactly between about 18 to 24 inches in height. So you get a lot of show, but they aren't so large that they won't work in smaller flower beds. Now you can buy individual seed packets, or if you're planting for big spaces or even several gardens, I might suggest buying by the pound. It's actually the most economical way to go for larger spaces. I bought a pound of Zinnia seed this year from American Meadows, and it was $38, including shipping and tax. Now, I know that sounds like a lot, but it's actually a bargain for a pound of seeds when you consider the cost of individual packets. Burpee sells a packet of the same seed with about 175 seeds in it for $6. So if you're going big, buy in bulk. Now on planting. All you do is loosen the soil in your flower bed and sprinkle the seed. Once you've done that, do not cover the seeds with soil. Covering them up too much will actually reduce your germination success. Instead, just lightly step on the ground where you've sprinkled them and then water them in. Now, with this cut and come again mix, you will get a complete palette of color. You'll have baby pinks, uh, white, cream, bright red, orange, fuchsia, pale yellows, uh, gold, salmon, light peach, sunny yellow, you name it, it's multicolored. And the name describes the best part, which is really true of many Zinnia varieties. You can cut the flowers. And the plants just keep producing again and again. There are flowers like irises and daylilies, for instance, that I always feel guilty about cutting and bringing inside because they don't reproduce within the same season. Not these guys. In fact, the more you cut, the more they come back again. A garden of zinnias creates the perfect opportunity to take a basket outside and cut a lovely bouquet for rehoming in a vase. It's funny. Cutting a basket of flowers somehow always reminds me of being a flower girl in my dad's cousin's wedding. There's just something full of love and purity in a freshly cut basket of flowers, and a basket of zinnias is near perfect. And here's the thing, for places that go through extreme summer heat like Texas, this is a flower that will bloom from late spring, early summer, all the way through the sweltering heat and into the fall up until the first frost. Summers can be tough, but this plant proves resilient and even sustains through periods of drought. The other thing I love as a pollinator gardener this flower is adored by all you will see bees butterflies of all sizes wasps and even hummingbirds come to enjoy its essence sometimes that's actually hard to do to find plants that appeal to all but this is a great one now i didn't really know the symbolism of the zinnia until i started researching and writing for this podcast in the Victorian era, it was often a symbol of remembrance, remembering absent friends or even loved ones that had passed on. I like that symbolism. When I was planting my zinnias, actually, several days ago, I happened to be having conversations in my head with a few loved ones that have gone before me, which isn't uncommon for me. So it was nice to learn of this meaning afterward. Also, Having already discussed some of the characteristics of this plant, it probably won't surprise you that it most commonly holds the spiritual significance of endurance. I even saw it described in one article as joyous endurance. I love that phrase, joyous endurance. We often think of endurance aligning itself with a backdrop of struggle, and that's often true. Enduring typically means that you're experiencing suffering in some way. If you aren't experiencing suffering, the word that comes to mind is coasting. Just like the Zinnia facing the trials of heat, drought, and pests, we too are often subjected to the brutal burn of a situation, the periods of lack of fulfillment in our lives, and the plagues of tribulation that land on us each and every single day. But here's the thing. Despite all of that, we can bloom. We will bloom through it all and we can thus be joyous about that. Endurance doesn't stop with struggle. Endurance ends with joy because through endurance is survival and survival, friends, is exquisite. Think of the people that you admire most. I bet there are a handful of them that you hold in high regard because they have endured something. Why do we cheer the marathon runner or revere the mountain climber or sit in astonishment of the man who cuts off his leg to pull himself out of the wilderness? We do these things because we honor endurance. And when you endure as a human and you do it with joy you become the zinnia, attracting bees and wasps and butterflies and hummingbirds, attracting everyone around you, because we all want to be a part of that essence of endurance. It speaks to every fiber within us that is human. So might I suggest that if you know someone feeling directionless or lost or someone in need of tackling a big problem, Give that person a bouquet of zinnias and a little note of encouragement to simply endure. Now, at the start of today's show, I mentioned that it's March 22nd. Today is a special day if you go back about 59 years ago to the year 1963. That's the date that the Beatles released their first album, Please Please Me, in the UK with famous tracks like I Saw Her Standing There, Love Me Do, Twist and Shout, and of course, Please Please Me. There's a podcast John and I listen to periodically called Smartless. It's hosted by comedic actors Jason Bateman, Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett. Very funny. Not at all kid-appropriate, though, FYI. Oddly enough, before I even linked the Beatles to the content that I wanted to write about today, John had listened to an episode of Smartless, released on Valentine's Day where they were interviewing Eddie Vedder of Pearl Jam. In the episode, they actually talked about how the Beatles came up with their name. It has nothing to do with a misspelling of the classification of insects that form the scientific order Coleoptera. So just remove that from your mind. Nothing to do with, like, Beatles, the Bugs. It actually has to do with an emphasis on the beat, B-E-A-T, of the drum. The Beatles were those four young lads capitalizing on a revolution of music centered around the beat of the drums. And honestly, what lays a better foundation for a stellar rock and roll track than the epic beat of the drum. Now, if you didn't know the history behind the band's name, you might also not know about how that first album evolved. So those of you old folks like me will remember how records used to be released in singles, side one and side two songs. So the Beatles had seen pretty major success in the UK with the release of their single, Love Me Do, that had the song P.S. I Love You on side two. And then they also had success with Please Please Me, which had Ask Me Why on the flip side. In a sort of panicky, what I like to call strike while the iron is hot mindset, their producer George Martin was scrambling to put together a full album that could be released. He needed 10 more songs to go with the four that they already had. So basically, what they could come up with quickly on the fly was just their typical set list from their stage act. So it was decided that they would just record that. Now, what I find absolutely amazing is that they recorded the entire album in one day. Actually, not even one day. The whole thing was completed in just under 13 hours. And an especially interesting story was the fact that they chose to record Twist and Shout last. Apparently, John Lennon was suffering from a bad cold that day, and there was concern that the intensity of the vocals on that song would destroy his voice if they recorded it too early in the day. So Twist and Shout ended up as the final track number 14. Now, imagine that you have band members that are sick and you're under intense pressure to blossom a quality debut album. Like, this is your first big shot. It seems to me that people might cave in the heat of the moment. Not these guys. Cut after cut, it was as though each musical composition was blooming even more profusely than the one before. So much so that producer George Martin was quoted as saying, I don't know how they do it. We've been recording all day, but the longer we go on, the better they get. Huh. Sounds like a flower, we know. Yeah, although artists like Elvis Presley began a movement to the masses with something called rockabilly in the mid-50s, and artists like Chuck Berry, officially considered the father of rock and roll, began really integrating all of the musical components to create true rock and roll. It was really the Beatles who propelled rock to the level of mass fan hysteria that we have now become accustomed to surrounding rock stars. It was why Rolling Stone magazine would later describe the Beatles as creating this concept of the self-contained rock band, writing their own hits and playing their own songs. They were more than just musicians. They were a movement affecting the entire world around them. They were kind of like a basket of zinnias, each one appearing uniquely colorful in his own individual qualities, yet all presenting collectively from the same mission of music, all beginning from a place of resilience and endurance and offering that essence that literally everyone wanted to consume so on that note you have a job this weekend go out and toss some zinnia seed in your flower bed stomp around on them a bit give them a sprinkling of water and maybe if you're so inclined play a little love me do through your ear pods in the process the whole experience will be just like a good prayer. Thank you for joining me today. Remember that you can now find The Loose Gardener on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and Stitcher. I'll meet you again in 2 weeks where we'll unabashedly go the full radish. <laughs> if you enjoyed this podcast, give it a like, and add it to your library, write a review, and share it with a friend. Until next time, always remember to dig deep and stay loose.